0: Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Terry Talks Fiction. Today, we have a book review of The Rarkin's Familiar by Nikki Lee. I believe that this is Nikki's debut novel, although the name may be familiar since she has won multiple awards for her short fiction, which has been published in numerous places. The Raken's Familiar describes itself as such. An orphan bent on revenge, a monster searching for freedom, a forbidden pact that binds their fates. Lys had heard her father's screams, smelled the iron tang of his blood, she witnessed his execution, and plotted her revenge. Then, a violent encounter traps Lys in a blood pact with a Raken from the other world, imbuing her with the monster's forbidden magic, a magic that will erode her sanity. To break the pact, she and the Raken must journey to the heart of the Empire. All that stands in their way are the mountains, the Empire's soldiers, and Liss's uneasy alliance with the Raken. But horrors await them on the road, horrors even Raken's fear. The most terrifying monster isn't the one Liss travels with, it's the one that's awoken inside her. Monsters of a feather flock together. Straight away, the first comment I have on the book is that from that blurb, you'd be forgiven in thinking that this was entirely Liss's story. I was pleasantly surprised to find that really the story is almost a 50-50 split between Liss and the Rakan Scar, with a few other characters dotted in and out throughout the story. But at its most basic level, the story is the tale of Lys and Scar adapting to this new reality that they've found for themselves, where they're bound together, much like the traditional idea of a witch being bound to a familiar, but here inverted, because although Lys is very adept at a number of physical arts, including swordplay, and she's built herself up With those skills to get that revenge that the blurb speaks about, her magical power is just abysmal. She hasn't got the skill. She hasn't got the talent that required in order to learn the skills for human magic in this book called Galdar. So therefore, when this magical pact happens by accident. The being which is the most magically powerful is the one that ends up being in charge. In the traditional story of a witch and her familiar, that would of course be the witch, but in this case, the Rakan's natural magical ability just storms over anything Lys has to bring to the table, making Scar the dominant partner in the partnership, and therefore setting the tone of what the relationship is going to be in terms of the Rakan and how Raken social and magical and natural hierarchy is structured, which turns out to be a very alien sort of experience compared to what we consider as the human norm. This was a phenomenal writing choice. It really gives a lot of scope for some truly fascinating magical aspects to be built into the story and into the world where every time we're looking from Lisa's perspective, it's her struggling to come to terms with these intuitive, innate, magical senses that the Rakan has. And which she's experiencing for the first time through their shared connection and is just overwhelming her own senses and her own sense of identity. And everything she thought she knew about what these creatures from the other world actually were. Meanwhile, the Rakan, having been captured itself for years prior to the story, and having been taken from its pack when it was quite young, isn't used to sharing these senses and feelings with anyone else, let alone with a human whose magic has always been incompatible with the style of magic used in the other world, where creatures breathe the, to humans, toxically deadly magical ether as easily as we breathe air. The book really has a lot of scope for exploring the tension between those two, forced to work together for fear that, you know, should one kill the other, for instance, that the sort of psychic feedback of that running across their link would just be completely mind-shattering for the other one, if not fatal in its own right. However, the knowledge that no human being has ever been bonded to a Rakan without going completely insane is something that's sort of sitting there at the back of their interactions the entire time. Lys is very much afflicted with a ticking clock through this story, where a hastily but well-designed spell that was marked on her at the moment of the binding is keeping that madness at bay, it's eroding in the process, and both of the central characters know it's only a matter of time until her defences fall. And I won't say what happens when that occurs, but the resolution there is expertly crafted through the way the story has built to that point and the expectations it's given the reader, not only in terms of genre convention and our own background knowledge of how things like a witch with their cat as their familiar kind of works, but also how this world deals with those sort of attachments and bindings and where that could be subverted or inverted or played straight And just the sort of mix of all of those really elegantly come together to deliver a very satisfying resolution to this threat, which is just getting more and more present as the book goes on. And being able to see things from the Rakan's point of view throughout really adds a lot to the story as well, where this could very well have been written simply from Lissa's perspective and having left the Rakan as this sort of unknowable otherworldly creature. We go right inside Scar's POV and see a number of the events of the book unfold only through his perspective and it makes him an extremely relatable character to the reader. Yet managing to retain some parts of his alien nature is really well pulled off and it gives a lot of Depth to the story of the two of them i found scar's history to be really compelling i constantly wanted to understand and know more as we learned bits and bits about how he got to be in the cage that he's in uh, on the opening page of the book and the little clues that get seeded in from the very beginning that build and build and build towards the climax when sort of all the narrative pieces fall into place, is very elegantly done. And in fact, the way that the entire narrative is built around with the world building and the magic system and the character journeys and developments, elegant seems too small of a word for how that is all tied together. It's truly fantastic. The magic system in particular, I'm fond of a rune-based magic system myself, but this book manages to pull off one, one of the hardest tricks and one of the most satisfying means of storytelling that you can get in a fantasy book, which is that there is no point where a character sits down and explains to the reader how the magic system works. When you are first introduced to it in the opening chapters, there are some elements that you can latch onto as a reader and understand some very basic things. Like you understand it's a rune-based magic system. You understand that that there is power in words and runes and blood and galdar and ether and the the way that different people shape the ethereal magic, depending on if you're, you know, human or otherkin. Those are all the sort of building blocks which are put in place at the start, but none of it is really explained, and it is confusing for the first Dozen or so times you see something happening with it. It's hard to establish, you know, where the lines are for the rules, what exactly is going on, what exactly is powering this, that, or the other magic that you see. And especially confusing is how the different styles of using Galdar interact in the social spheres of the novel as well, with the Empire's control over certain types of magic, the Inquisition going around the countryside, stamping out aberrant forms. But yet, although none of this is directly explained, the context clues are built in so seamlessly throughout the times that you see it used, that by the climax of the book, when some of the most outlandish and world-shattering magical things are happening, by the time the reader has got to that point... Everything makes sense. You understand intuitively what is going on. You understand what is going to come next if things are not stopped. Because you've grown to understand and appreciate this magic system just from having seen it be used. A lot of times, stories will try to do that and fail horribly so that the reader continues to be confused throughout. Or fall back on having the, ah, you see... The difference between X magic and Y magic is with one character explaining to another who is really explaining to the reader. This story doesn't just step around those problems, it pole vaults over them and flies off into the distance, coming down to rest at an eerie far, far away. It's excellently done. The world that Liss and Scar are making their way across, and later other characters as well following them or being impacted around their orbit is so wonderfully illustrated in this book. There's such an economy of scale at work here. The set pieces are generally small and intimate enough to feel very impactful, but also broad enough to give you a real understanding of these places and where they sit in the world in relation to each other and how the the political, the social, the magical, the natural spheres are all intersecting with each other in these places. Nothing feels like a cardboard cutout. They all feel like they're walking through real forests, real roadways, real towns, real villages filled with mounds of the dead. You can smell parts of this story when you're reading it. It's a type of book that when you start reading it and you start really getting stuck in, your eyes don't want to leave the page. They just keep getting drawn forward. And intertwined through the middle of everything, the book's central themes are really well presented. The idea of what is a monster is a pretty basic question and one that's been asked and answered by SFF for decades. Since Mary Shelley had frankenstein cursing his monster on the slab so it's been approached plenty of times and when you're tackling something that's got that much of a legacy in the genre you want to make sure you're doing it well this book does it well there are a few moments in there which are as you would expect for a story about who is the real monster but rather than falling into cliche even the elements that you expect are presented in a really engaging manner. Dressed up in the world building and the magic system of this story, a lot of old things are made new again. And the central idea of the connection between Liss and Scar and how they have to learn and adapt to each other around that is used very well because it would... Again, seem like from the from the blurb and from the general idea of from the cover art of this that it would seem that it's going to be very obvious where the line between you know man and monster is, or it would seem like it was going to be a very obvious subversion of that. Instead, Scar and Liss are both protagonists in their own right in this story, and neither of them is presented as a monster. The delineation between monstrous acts and monstrous appearance is really delved into deeply in this one, and the sphere of what constitutes either of those categories is nuanced and interestingly presented. There are some very bold character choices that are made throughout the story and I didn't feel like any of those choices failed to pay off in the climax and Mar of this novel. Knowing that there are going to be additional books in this series is really very exciting, because while this book ties up a lot of things really well, it leaves a lot of scope open and a lot of other questions and unresolved plot threads that you can see are going to become even bigger as time goes on. And it's something that makes the you excited as a reader to see what's going to come next. I was particularly surprised and impressed by uh, a number of those character decisions. The, the boldness of it, the disinclination to pull any punches where it was appropriate. It's really interesting to see how the different characters have changed from the start of the story to the end of it, and how our understanding of what it is to be monstrous changes along with them as we gradually see the people and the creatures acting in different ways in different environments under different pressures there's a lot of this book which plays on perspective and it's a really good reminder and a really good examination for the reader on how important perspective is but at the same time Not pulling its punches means that you don't get any muddy areas where there are certain events in this book and certain actions which are absolutely unequivocally monstrous and no amount of perspective will change that. And that really important underlying bedrock frames a lot of the other elements which are liable to perspective and really puts them into a much starker relief. And when that's combined with the social structure around who is being viewed as monstrous and what is being viewed as monstrous and the magic system giving some honest reasons why certain things may be a good idea or a bad idea when it comes to Galdar and Ether, it really feels like the rules of this world have naturally built from experience and time And the way that the fabric of this society has been moulded towards those views is a traceable thing. You can read this book and you you can almost track the history of how people have got to this point while having the space to sit in the comfort or discomfort of seeing how perspective alters the viewpoints around those facts. All in all, The Rakens Familiar is a fantastically built story in a fantastically built world with a fantastic magic system. The characters are deeply engaging, they're unique, and the way that they deal with their problems in the book continues to surprise you as a reader as you work your way through. I heartily recommend picking up a copy of The Rakens Familiar by Nicky Lee and getting on board the train of this series uh, right at the start. It's definitely worth your time, and I'm really excited to see where the series goes next. Next week, we'll have another movie review for you, this time looking at the latest Marvel offering, Thor, Love and Thunder. I've been hearing a lot of mixed things about this one, but haven't got out to see it yet, so I'm eagerly anticipating the chance to chat about it with you all. If you have anything you'd like to share about Thor, Love and Thunder before the review goes live next week, Hit us up on the Discord group, Talking Fiction, link in the show notes of this podcast. And if you have read or are interested in reading The Rakans Familiar by Nikki Lee, you can also jump onto the Discord group to talk about your take on the book or find a link to where you can purchase a copy in the show notes as well. Until next time, I hope you all manage to read, view, or even write something exciting and I look forward to talking with you all again real soon.